0: Welcome, everybody. Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward, with our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul, and good morning to all of our viewers and our listeners out there. If it's Tuesday, we're back here talking real estate, uh, and it is Tuesday, so we are here. Thank you for tuning in and listening in. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Sawitz Company, managing partner of Sawitz Properties, and if there's one thing that I've learned in my 30-plus years of doing this, it's to look at both sides of the equation gather the best information you can from experts around you and try and make an informed decision and uh, I'm hoping today's show is exactly that I'm excited for today's show we have an exciting topic but before we get going I do want to do a shout out out to all the people out there that have voted all the people that are going to vote all the people that are counting the votes uh, and congratulations in advance to all the winners it's an important time it's a challenging environment Uh, do your thing get out there and vote folks thanks so Uh, For today's show, our topic is Fair Housing, Landlords and Tenants, Both Sides of the Equation. Gee, how uh, ironic. And uh, I'm uh, blessed to have with us Denise Cato, the uh, President-CEO of the Fair Housing Council of Orange County, and uh, her right-hand man, David Levy, uh, Program Specialist and Coordinator, both longtime residents of Southern California and Orange County, both longtime experts in uh fair housing housing issues and dealing with all the drama that goes into landlord tenant uh relationships uh welcome to the show guys thanks thank Thank you good morning morning. yeah so um denise i'm going to start with you i i want to for for the folks out there that are not familiar with the Fair Housing Council or the Fair Housing Authority. um, Explain to uh, everybody what exactly the Fair Housing Council is here in Orange County and then how that relates nationally to to folks around the country.
1: Uh, Basically, we investigate housing discrimination complaints. We get funding through CDBG, community development block grants. Cities that pay us are basically funded to um, have an organization like ours represent them. And we have several contracts with HUD. We have a PEI grant that's for investigation of housing discrimination and an eoi grant basically that we use for education to educate the public of what fair housing
0: is gotcha and i mean the average person at least in, in my experience they uh as soon as they feel they've been wrong they raise their hand and say hey i'm calling fair housing and uh whether that is uh the right path or the wrong path i guess it, it, it depends on once they talk to somebody on the other end of the stick but the the general gist of the Fair Housing Council is it is uh, from my perspective correct me if I'm wrong David it's a dispute resolution entity and it is a vehicle for people that feel as though they have been discriminated against to to have a place to go to
2: Uh, yeah I I would say not only dispute resolution, perhaps, but d- dispute prevention, perhaps, also. Yeah. Um, what we endeavor to do, both for what I would call housing consumers and housing providers, is to give them straight information about what are their rights and, and obligations. And what does the law say? Uh, we you know, try and keep it objective and uh, let people know uh, where they stand. And once we hear their information, get the facts, we can give them some guidance on what they can do next. Uh, and that could be to resolve a dispute that already exists, or to head one off.
0: Sure, and and avoid having to bog down the court system with either frivolous lawsuits or wasting time with an already strained court system.
2: Yeah, the uh, one of the advantages. Well, one of the reasons Denise mentioned the the local funding through the community development block grant. Um, the or, the cities that give us those contracts, they like to be able to refer people to us because then otherwise they're calling city hall so sure, sure. yeah,
0: yeah or, so. or their council person or right. their mayor or yeah. whoever they can get in touch with right, right? yeah and so um and, and are there um other housing agencies similar to yours throughout the state or nationally or how does that work so if, I, if i'm in northern california i'm in san diego i'm in riverside county is there a uh, equivalent organization or place yes, for to yes there is yeah so yeah. so for tenants out there i mean if you're listening right uh it's not like you don't have any help and it's not like you don't have a place to go I, I think uh that you know the the logic would be that if you feel as though you've been wronged or you're in a situation where uh something's not right then your first step is to go get that information and figure out if that's really the case or not and you guys are the place to call Yes, exactly. So in terms of the Fair Housing Council, um, or when people say Fair Housing Authority or Fair Housing, whatever term they use, again, for the folks out there, your organization is not the end-all be-all of law. If somebody called your office and you said, hey, our take on it is uh, your landlord's right, you're right, or this is how I read it, it doesn't mean that that's how it goes. It's just giving advice and guidance as to how to interpret what's out there and what's happening to you. Absolutely. True.
2: Exactly. We're a nonprofit organization. We have zero authority. And we don't like. We get called the Fair Housing Authority on occasions, but we avoid that term. Right. Um, and we're a counseling agency, for, foremost, and we provide information. Mm-hmm. And we're careful not to give legal advice because we're not attorneys.
0: Well, and so I want to ask you about that. So in terms of process, I'm, let's just pick one. I'm a tenant. I feel like my landlord has wronged me. He's raised my rent. He didn't fix something that I asked him to five times. Uh, I feel like my apartment is not up to code in terms of habitability any of these things uh or i feel as though i've been treated uh poorly based on color of skin or any other um de- determining factor i call you how does it go i call into the office and do i get referred to uh, a specialist or does someone open a file david walk me through it's, kind of well, what happens we,
2: we have counselors who um, um and we have uh services in orange county available in in both english and spanish we had services recently up until we lost an employee in vietnamese as well which are the the two primary non-english speaking languages Um, but they they're connected with a counselor who gathers information about their situation we speak primarily to tenants but not exclusively to tenants we will talk to landlords and property managers as well gather the facts and then based on those facts as we understand them and we're clear from our experience that people will tell us their side of the story so you know we always there's a little bit of skepticism sometimes and when we ask questions to try and clarify things like that And then we can uh, advise the individual on on where they stand and what actions they might want to take. We do refer them, for instance, if it's a case where it appears to be serious habitability issues, we can refer them to the uh, local uh, city code enforcement department. And, in fact, California had a nice change, in my opinion, a nice change in the law that started July 1st of this year that puts more, more mandates on code enforcement departments to actually get out and... Take care of habitability problems in uh, in apartments.
0: Yeah, or uh, a health department uh, if it's that bad or whatever yes. the case might be. And, and But in terms of advising them on where to go, your focus is on giving them, uh, I guess, general advice on whether they're right or wrong and then a direction of how to proceed going forward. But you're not uh, writing letters to landlords on tenants' behalf, or, or are you in some instances actually reaching out to the landlords and, hey, I think you got a problem?
2: Well, in, in certain instances, we describe ourselves as it, it, it's a self-help methodology. We give you the information and the suggested tools and ask you to go ahead and, and take action. If that doesn't work out, you're free to get back in touch with us. But on occasion, given the situation, if we uncover it, we will, in fact, send a letter to a landlord or a management company um, and pointing out what we think is the problem that they need to, to resolve.
0: Yeah, and, and and I've gotten letters from you guys. And then it's always good to hear the other side of the story because, as I've learned in my travels, uh, there's always two sides to it. And then once you take in both sides, you can digest kind of wh- wh- where the real story is, if it's one or the other or somewhere in the middle. Um, And and then in terms of Um, dispute resolution is there a scenario denise where uh, you bring landlord and tenant no absolutely
1: we have a mediation department where we mediate tenant to tenant or landlord to tenant and that's basically handled in our enforcement department the things that dave has basically discussed comes in through our landlord tenant lines so we're listening to them decide okay well where does this go if they mention anything that sounds discriminatory, then they're basically transferred to our enforcement department where people that are trained listen in more depth of what's basically going on. So do we have mediation? Yes, we would much rather mediate a situation, then for it to go into litigation. And that's where I come in. I work with AGLA, the Apartment Association of Greater Los Angeles, and Southern Cities Apartment Association, that's in Long Beach and Orange County Apartment Association, go up as far as uh, Santa Barbara. So I am constantly working with owners, letting them know, if there's a problem, let us try to mediate it so it doesn't go further.
0: Sure, and and in those scenarios, is it mostly landlord-tenant issues, or do you get some tenant-tenant issues where you got neighbors fighting or arguing, and then they feel as though they're discriminated against, and, and do they come to you for that kind of stuff? Yes,
1: uh, number one of the number one topics now would be, I guess, the LGBT community that um, we're getting a lot of calls from. Oh, interesting.
2: Uh, now, I would add that. Um, And when there is a a tenant-to-tenant possible discriminatory uh, animus going on, we do encounter, un- unfortunately, landlords who think, well, that's their problem and I can stay out of it. And actually, we we need to make landlords aware that they, they don't necessarily get to stay out of it. There yeah. is um, a new new California fair housing regulations. California didn't have fair, reg- fair housing regulations until January of 2020. They finally brought around regulations and they're bringing in uh, additional regulations over time. And one of the ones they've addressed is harassment. And it makes clear that a landlord can have liability if they don't address tenant to tenant discriminatory behavior
0: and I can tell you from personal experience certainly though as the landlord you'd like to stay out of it if you could yeah uh, but other people's problems all of a sudden become your problems and then the issue is if it's not solved it now can grow into other tenants and neighbors and other things and we, we've had it across the board from you know, one family smokes weed out on the patio, and the next door neighbor has little kids with asthma problems, and now that is my problem. To uh, somebody made a comment that somebody perceived as discriminatory, and now I feel uncomfortable, and I can't go outside in the courtyard. And now what do you do, right? And and so uh, it, it's uh, it's a challenge. Uh, I guess I, I don't have a better word for it other than it's a challenge, and you've got to navigate through it. And that that's why you know your organization is so helpful in in trying to be able to focus people on a solution as opposed to yelling and screaming and arguing and threatening and all those other fun things. Um, So in terms of COVID, I just want to back up for a second. What were the challenges during COVID? I guess, number one, just on your side of getting your own folks to come into work and being able to to deal with the challenges of working remotely and, and trying to deal with all that but then also just the issue of the perception that from a tenant's perspective hey i don't really have to pay my rent i can do whatever i want it's covid and and the california rent relief and all of those other things those are to, to me there's a money aspect to sort of disputes there's a social aspect to the dispute and then there's the actual personalities of, of the people involved is, is kind of how i break it down on the financial side of things uh, how did it work during covid and, and what were the challenges then
1: the challenges were basically explaining to individuals, pay your rent. That's a necessity. That comes before anything else. Yeah. If you can't pay your rent, pay as much as you possibly can, because that's not going to be wave where you don't have to ever
0: pay it. Yeah, and I think a lot of big perception out there for a lot of people was, hey, I just don't have to pay, and it's going to go away, and... Somebody in Washington is going to wave, wave a magic wand and, and I'll get freebies. No, it isn't.
1: Yeah. And it's really affected Orange County a lot because when the monitorium was up on March the 31st, very few penit- tenants were aware that if they didn't pay rent on April the 1st, a landlord could serve them with a three day notice right. to pay rent or quit and then they could be evicted. Right. So our office were over flooded with tenants coming in wondering why am i being evicted
0: now and and landlords just sitting back waiting going look i told you to pay absolutely didn't pay i i can't run a business without you paying i can't pay my mortgage so here you go and then you know in, in in our world on our side as a landlord the court system then is flooded from all of these financial evictions And then tenants have uh, the fallback is, well, okay, it's not about the money. It's about I have roaches, I have this, I have a habitability issue, I have a discrimination issue. You just How come you're not evicting my neighbor? He didn't pay. You digress from the real issue, which is if you just paid your rent, you would not be in the situation. Absolutely.
1: Or try to make arrangements
0: with your landlord to pay your rent. Or have an open line of communication rather than having somebody hunt you down.
2: One of the things we always try and make clear when we're counseling clients is that, yes, there may be instances where it is appropriate to say I'm not paying my rent because the property is not habitable. But there's a process, if if that's really the case, there's a process that they should go through. They need to well document the existing conditions that make it not habitable and be able to defend themselves if the landlord says hey you didn't pay your rent well they can say well i've got a legally accepted reason for not paying my rent because you failed to make the unit habitable but they've got all they've done all the groundwork they've got the proof that they need to do that so that if if it comes to a court action they they can actually legitimately defend their non payment yeah. but what you do get is people who run into a financial difficulty And then suddenly they think, well, how can I try and cover the fact that I just didn't have the money? Agreed. Um, And so one of the important things we tell tenants is if you have a habitability issue and you choose not to pay the rent, be prepared to show that you always had that money but just chose not to give it to the landlord because of the lack of habitability.
0: And that you reached out to ask them to address whatever the habitability issue was and gave the landlord some fair opportunity to address it. And we've had that in, in instances and. Uh, I mean, I could go all day. It's like a TV show in our office. Uh, in some instances, but certainly, when you get a picture of one cockroach that looks like Godzilla, because I took the photo from up close, and now I've got an infestation. That and in of itself is not enough to warrant breaking my lease and not paying my.
1: rent. Or summer air conditioners going right. out. You can't put that up under addability. Right. It's an amenity. All right. If it's in your contract, then a landlord should prepare it, but can would I tell someone to withhold their rent because their air conditioner isn't working? No.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to have you work out of our office next summer when it's really <laughs> hot because all of our tenants in the desert when it's 120, as soon as the air conditioning goes down, it's I want a hotel. And, and I look, I feel for them. I mean, it's it's really hot out and it, but these are sort of acts beyond the landlord's control and then the problem that we had just on that topic is a side note, you, you can't get replacement parts because you have supply chain issues and then you go okay i'm just going to get a new air conditioning unit because i feel bad i'll spend the money i'm going to go the extra mile and i can't get somebody to install it right because they're backed up and so uh you run into and then tenant goes look i'm not paying my rent or i'm just leaving i'm gonna go I, i can't i mean we had a handful of tenants who just said look i'm leaving and i'm just breaking my lease and i said please don't do that right you you're one day somebody's going to wind up garnishing your wages one day you're going to want to go lease a car or rent another place or get a credit card and it's going to show up on your credit and i'm not threatening i'm just telling you that's how the world works absolutely it's important i think to understand the consequences of any action so not only for a landlord for not fixing or maintaining your apartment because there's consequences to that But from the tenant's perspective, there's consequences for not paying your rent and doing what you're supposed to do as well.
2: And one of the things I like to try and make clear is to differentiate between whether a tenant might feel that they've got some claim where they are entitled to get some of their rent money back, perhaps versus the right to withhold the rent in the first place yes so if if they don't have a legitimate reason to not pay the rent we say pay the rent but if you then believe that you know you have some legitimate claim you can bring to get some of that money back go ahead and bring it it could be a small claims court matter and if the judge disagrees you know you've lost your filing fee and a little bit of your time but you haven't been evicted into the street because you you did the wrong thing
0: right and it's also too important to note that if your rent is two or three thousand dollars a month and the toilet is running, that that doesn't constitute not paying two or $3,000. Exactly. You could have remedied it with a 100 or $200 fix. Yeah. And the converse of that is if you're the landlord and the toilet's running, you should fix it because you're probably the one paying the water mm-hmm. bill, and it's going to kill you at the end of the day anyway.
2: And you don't want unhappy tenants.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, if you keep well,
2: your tenants happy, they'll be more more than willing to pay the rent kind of thing. But when you get into a dispute situation where, oh, you didn't fix that, I'm going to show you, then it, things spin out of control. Control.
0: yeah and, and I find too there's a there's another class of sort of landlords and tenants there's the landlord who wants to take care of his place wants to make his tenants happy because it, a happy tenant uh, is just happier for everybody and then if at some point I do need to raise the rent it's at least I got some value and my landlord's a good person or it's a good company to work with they weren't jerking me around versus the person I call and they just never fix anything and this is always dirty or this is never working or whatever the case is and then you have the tenant who has stuff in their apartment that doesn't work and then doesn't say anything because they're afraid that if they say something, their the landlord will go, right, the rent will go So we, we have that as well, where we go into the apartment to do an inspection and all of a sudden there's like four things like, how com- we have a website, right? How come you didn't call it in? And then, I don't want you raising my rent. And Look at all the stuff that's not working. How about I fix all the stuff that I didn't know about? And then we can have a conversation about the rent. But so, Denise, let's fast forward, right? So, so with COVID, you've got a different set of issues of landlord-tenant. And now, I'm going to call this in the post-COVID era, while COVID's still around, it, the, the implications of it relative to the real estate side of it are just not the same. So we're coming out of it. Landlords say, Hey, look, you don't pay the rent, you gotta go. I'm sorry, I, I can't run a business that way. Tenant doesn't have the rent, tenant didn't know they owed it, put their head in the sand, whatever the case was, now there's an issue, right? And so now what you're saying is landlord goes to do the eviction and then tenant comes to you and says, Hey, I'm gonna be I'm being discriminated against. What can I do? How can I stay? I don't want to move.
1: First of all, I have to explain to them why is it discrimination? If it doesn't fall up under one of the protected classes for federal or state, you know, we're talking about for federal race, color, religion, sex, national origin, disability, or familiar status, families with children. That's federal. Correct. If it doesn't fall up under one of those, then it's not discrimination. You not paying your rent.
0: Is not that's, discrimination.
1: It's not discrimination. Right, right. And that's what most people don't understand. It's a landlord tenant issue. So, what we've been doing more than anything is trying to mediate for them to get more time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Either time to pay or
2: or time time to move. move. Right. And one of the things I counsel. Uh, Clients on a lot is it's not what you say that matters. It's what you can prove that matters And so I it's very important that things be well documented We constantly have to encourage tenants do things in writing leave a record You know if you have a phone call conversation the two people on that conversation can say different things about what was Communicated whereas if it's written down um, There's at least a clear record and uh, ultimately if you're going to bring a successful claim either for violations of landlord tenant law or discrimination you got to have some evidence to to show your case yeah. and so doing things documenting is a very important part of it on both sides for the tenants and the landlords
0: i agree i mean uh, open line of communication the better off you the more you do the better off you are and and, and i also believe that the yelling and the screaming and the non-professional acts on both sides of the stick is just not going to get anybody anywhere right i mean it's just not accomplishing your goal some people think they yell and scream maybe somebody will give me what i want and uh, i don't know in our office it doesn't really work i don't know how it works at all other places but it has a tendency to backfire right you just look irrational uh whoever you are so in terms of today's world people that are out there that didn't pay their rent Uh, or people that are out there that are trying to get out of their lease because they feel uncomfortable with a discrimination issue or with a neighbor or with a landlord. Now the problem is the real estate market's very tight, right? And so now I have very limited opportunities to move to. Chances are the place I'm going to move to is going to be more expensive than the place that I'm in. And while it might be a better fit or a different set of circumstances, I still have a challenge of looking elsewhere uh, to go go do something different, which gets back to if there is a financial piece to it, it, just makes it even tougher. And so what do you tell folks in terms of once they realize or come to grips or your folks realize, look, this tenant cannot stay, right? They don't either have the money or the landlord's unwilling to keep them. You've got to go to plan B. What's the advice there for the tenant?
1: Well, my thing is, first, we try to do everything to make sure they can stay. But if for some reason they can't, then they're going to have to try to find a place. But what I tell people more than anything, don't give those notices That you're going to vacate before you have a place because those landlords are running the places from up under you and they don't have to allow you to stay there and it's not discrimination. And that's the problem that we're having. People are giving notices, basically saying, I'm going to be out of here in 30 days. Well, you, where are you going to go? Right.
0: And the old days, of if the market was soft or there was a for rent sign at the property next door, as a tenant, you could either make that threat or you could actually do it. Like, we would have tenants, and they'll be like, wait a minute, you moved across the street? How did, how did that happen? Like, uh, But today, it's not so easy. And, uh, and then... If you have marks on your credit because you didn't pay some of your bills during COVID, now the new landlord looks at your credit even more tightly than they did before because they don't want to get in a situation where they're renting to someone who can't pay going forward and be back where they were before.
2: And there's also just a, a cash flow issue. You need money to move into the new place, but your old landlord doesn't have to account for your security deposit until 21 days after you vacate. Yes. So, you know, you got to figure out how to bridge that. Um, So, yeah, we we try and make it clear to people, don't just, you know, do something spur of the moment and then come to regret it we give them all the details and then that's their choice to make obviously but that's how we try and counsel the the people who call us
0: yeah and and what we tell our tenants is look we're coming to you early because we want to know if you want to stay we want to know if you want to move we want to know if you have the capacity to pay or if you've had a change in circumstances because if it's going to be something other than well, whatever we're doing right we just need a plan and then people go well it's too early no it's not too early no it's never too early it's not too early right and then if you're i would just say if you're a tenant, right, I believe that the rental market is going to continue to go up because the housing market is almost shut down because of higher interest rates. So almost no one is going to buy a house, which means that less people are moving around and the only opportunities that come out in the rental market are landlords getting rid of bad tenants, who then theoretically would fix up the place and charge higher, higher rent. So so your opportunities are limited, the, the rents that you're gonna pay out there are gonna be higher, and so it's just a challenge for the tenant, right? If you wanna stay, I would say go to your landlord early, if it was me, I'd go to my landlord and say, look, I'd like to make a deal. Or we have tenants that say I'd like to do a two or a three, or at least can I lock in the price? You know, Some landlords will do it, because that's security of longevity. Others say, "No, I'll see where the world is in a year, and we'll reevaluate." But either way, waiting to the end, I, I got to just say, bad strategy. I mean, do you, David.
2: Yeah, I mean, pe- people need to be thinking ahead and and not getting themselves into a situation where now it's a, a desperation that they've got to they've got to act or be acted upon. One of the two. If a tenant has a, a, a short term problem one of the things I suggest is, well, if you think you're going to be able to bring yourself current, uh, maybe there is a deal to be made. Because if the landlord does take you to court and does evict you, they don't get money from you. They get a judgment that they then have to try and chase. Uh, so there might be a way to, to work it out if it's a short-term problem. Obviously, if it's a, a long-term problem, you're just this is not an affordable place for you anymore. You've got to reconsider how you're going to do right. your, just figure out your housing
0: right if you 're in a two bedroom you need a one bedroom if you 're living in one city, maybe you need to go to a different place I mean, yeah that, those are that's an affordability issue at the end of the day. I mean, the other thing, too, is that in terms of new leases, right, so sometimes we'll have tenants that will come in, they will apply for a unit, and then they're denied. They're either denied because of their credit, they're denied because they don't have the right amount of income to justify paying the rent, and then the tenant says, hey, you discriminated against me because of X, Y, Z, right? And and, and that one is a tricky one for a landlord, and I'm sure you get some of those calls as well. Denise, how, how do those go, and how do they differ from
1: it's a lot of calls that come in that I'm discriminated against because my source of income with well, California is one of the states that cover source of income. You cannot deny a person that's on Social Security or unemployment or disability. A person might not qualify right. for the unit because their income is not sufficient enough. But for you to say, I don't take people in a county, you can't do that. Right, right. Nor can you now say you don't take Section 8. A person might not qualify because their voucher isn't significant enough for your unit. But for you to say, I'm not renting to people on Section 8, then you are discriminating.
0: Yeah. From a landlord's perspective, it's, hey, if you're supposed to make our rule is two or three times the income and you're not there, then that would be the reason and then people come back and say hey you know that's
1: their criteria as long as they're doing across the board
0: right or if you have really horrible credit and you've stiffed a whole bunch of other people whether it's covid related or goes back further than that it's also a source of big heartache for a landlord to uh try and take a risk on somebody which is why you don't want to stiff your landlord right and you certainly don't want it on your credit right Uh, it's better to work out a deal have some sort of a settlement agreement which is what we tell our tenants look i'd rather settle with you sign a termination and then you don't get sued and you don't owe me any money and then when you go tell the new landlord you just say hey look uh, the lease was up we terminated it right better than my landlord was threatening to sue me and throw me out
1: absolutely
0: so yeah i told you we'd go quick we uh, are getting down to the wire uh, we could talk all day section eight's probably a whole other show or two uh, i'm certain But in terms of just uh, general advice for landlords and tenants out there, David, to the tenant, what's the the short answer of?
2: Again, I think it's it's important that tenants understand. Do things in writing. Document. Understand your rights and obligations. Get advice if you're uncertain. Um, Don't dig yourself into a hole. And then, you know, we get the call when the person's already been served the unlawful detainer eviction action. And had they called us a month before, we may have headed that off. So document and uh, and seek help early, I'd say, for tenants.
0: Yeah. And Denise, for landlords?
1: I would basically say that education, we don't know everything. But if you need assistance, you need fair housing training. We're more than willing to provide it because I'm a firm believer that if you know what the law basically says, it's better business for everyone.
0: Of course, and I would just say whatever you're doing, landlord or tenant, start early. Better communication is better, uh, and more communication is better than not, uh, so that everybody's at least uh, on the same page in terms of understanding what the other side's trying to do. So, in terms of uh, how people can reach you, David, what's the website or the phone? number or both uh
2: website is fairhousingoc.org we also take inquiries by email which is info info at fairhousingoc.org and of course by by the telephone which is the vast majority of the contacts we get and our number is 714-569-0823 for landlord tenants you'd select prompt number
0: four got it well, there you have it. Uh, I appreciate both of you coming on thank and you. sharing your insights and uh, appreciate what you do on a daily basis for the community and for landlords and tenants out there. Uh, for me, I'm Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening in again today. I want to thank all the folks here at OC Talk Radio for putting it all together. Uh, get out and vote. If it's Tuesday, uh, it's we're talking real estate. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for tuning in.
2: Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you.
0: Well, there you have it. You've been listening to Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Sawitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in Southern California. On Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studio here at the University of California, Irvine's Beal Applied Innovation Center.